to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Good morning, audience, and welcome to the Big Red Couch. Here in the um, early hours of the second to last day of the year, I am Craig. And on the other side of the world, in the late hours of the second to last day of the year, has been reensconced in my uh, recording booth slash study, which now has a ceiling once more. I'm kind of missing be- missing being able to see the cracks and tiles through the uh, the huge void and the insulation of the roof. But this is probably for the best. I mean, having an indoor water feature is a uh, a bold architectural move. I thought. Yeah, yeah, it certainly has a certain something. Well, this way, if if the water starts gathering above us this time, it will have to bring the entire roof down and come directly through the light socket to get to me, so that's that's great. <laughs> so it's either going to be a shower of debris or electrified water. It's going to have to bring its A game, is what I'm hearing. Indeed, indeed. We have stepped it up to, the, as they say, the next level. Nice. Nice. In, in an unrelated note, uh, Windows chose this precise moment to pop up a an image saying, don't get pissed and fall in the river. I'm going to assume it was something from a, a an uploaded memories thing for Windows, but it was it was a very weird piece of timing. You're running Windows UK edition? Uh, just- Maybe? I mean, it, it, it did have, like, somebody on a punt, so that seems valid. So it, I feel like it was probably sort of advice for students or something. It's a very weird piece of targeted um, marketing there, I guess. It's, it's valuable advice, particularly at the moment, because, you know, it's quite cold out there. I mean, falling in the river while, while drunk in summer is probably a hilarious jape, provided you don't inhale too much duck poo um but in winter the, the, the swans might just kill you and eat you for the warmth true and and given there's like six minutes of daylight you're probably going to have difficulty getting out oh yeah you'll get it you end up you're going to end up trapped under the ice for all okay it's not actually that cold but yeah mate. <laughs> the canal near, near my place has in previous years frozen enough for somebody to tentatively stand on it with a mate hanging onto their jacket in case they went in, because nobody's a hundred on how deep the water is there. Right. Mm. Anyway, but we're here on the 30th of December to record the Big Red Christmas episode, because that's just how we roll. We like to break those paltry paradigms of like time and, and appropriate, uh, um, appropriate times to record things. So, what occurred is... We were going to do a Christmas episode because what the hell, and then we were very vague about that, and wound up doing a let's play instead. Which, if you go back to the previous uh, thing in the RSS feed, you you'll see a big economy sized episode with Craig, myself, and Terry being woodland creatures of some sort, having mostly having existential crises in a very very nice pastoral game called Wonder Home. And if you get a chance to check that out uh would really like to hear what you think because it's not something we've done for a very long time it was the the um, the the episode that shall not speak its name um apart from that 
we've mostly stuck to our version of random ad hoc game ideas. So, yeah, we try to try different things and branch out a little bit. So let us know what you uh, what you thought. It it was it was an interesting experience. It's I think it's the only it's the first time I have played a game sort of of that ilk before. It's sort of the extremely non-conflict based doesn't really need a GM though a guide certainly helps sort of game. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing I've been hoping to do more and more of, but I've showed, you know, sort of even even systems that are, you know, absolutely have conflict in them, like Apocalypse World of Oaks, and they've gone, Where are my charts? I don't understand. Why are there no charts? And yeah, so it's uh sometimes sometimes difficult to embrace some of those new approaches. And I certainly want to and I think as I said in my little preamble, that we did a really insufficient and possibly uh, uh, unjustly so job of portraying systems and how they work inside that inside that game given that we were just picking them up ourselves so i'd like to do that some justice if we do go forward so that mm. would be that would be nice I, I would not mind returning to wander home because that was a yes it is a a nice and sweet little game with some darkness lurking underneath if you want it to be there. Yeah, yeah. And it's very much up to your um, your taste. But it's one of those I th- I find it as a as a refutation to people who go, Oh, you can you you know, it doesn't matter what the what, what the game is, you can, you know, play anything. It's like, no, this this game system very specifically means that you accomplish the outcomes of the game by playing in a certain way and it rewards and guides certain kinds of interactions, which is awesome because otherwise it's just talking, which is great, but it's not a role-playing game per se. Just as other Mm. things incentivize and reward hitting things with sticks, which are numbers, to get more numbers, this does a different job. And I, I think that is... Something that we can really, we should, as a, as a, you know, a hobby, should embrace that different tools, different, different approaches do different things. Mm. I remember from many, many years ago, sufficient, sufficiently long ago that I cannot actually remember what the medium of conversation was, uh, but there was a phase where there was a, a very committed group of people who wanted to use the system from I believe White Wolf's Exalted for everything. That is particularly mad, given that White Wolf game systems don't actually promote the kind of play that White Wolf games are supposed to have. I'm not sure about Exalted specifically, but a number of the other ones, they work as systems, they just don't seem to work in the way that the game expects, which is very odd. Yes, I mean, a lot of the White Wolf stuff does does very much have the, this is a baked-in setting, this is a baked-in idea of how the game's going to work. It just doesn't necessarily do what it says on the tin. Sort of werewolf as fuzzy ecological superheroes uh, springs unerringly to mind. Yeah, rather than struggling with this or engaging with the fact that your world is dying and it was destroyed by a bunch of bastards. I mean, sure, you can mm. rampage around and break shit, but it's not going to change that. So, yeah, 
And I, I think I think Vam- uh, Werewolf might be the one that works closest to it, but because vampires like you're these ancient, um, or you could absolutely you could absolutely have a character who was hundreds of years old and and had like centuries of experience and was this master manipulator. But mostly, what you did was very very, and you know what you could you accomplish was very direct, and mostly looked like you know punching things or some mind control stuff you could build outside of that and talk about things outside of it but the systems that as they existed just kind of focused in on well you can hit someone now so yeah that so choosing i don't know if how exalted specifically would apply to uh many other sorts of games but i've got my suspicions it wouldn't be well tuned for some things of lower scale that was my impression but to be fair i have never played exalted um i had a a housemate flatmate depending on your um cultural group um who was playing in a game of it and did talk about it a lot but i was never really able to understand how on earth the game worked or what what it was about from their description which suggests that either i wasn't paying attention or they weren't describing it very well or possibly a bit of both it could have gone either way also the 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 description i'm pretty sure you told me this one to be honest it's that that it's basically if moses went into the desert for for 40 days and learned burning bush style kung fu and then came and uh, punched the pharaoh into orbit or something like that i mean i'm 100% 100% certain I didn't come up with that. <laughs> that sounds like the sort of sort of description that I, however, would have latched onto when somebody else described it. It sounds mm. a bit RPG net now that I think of it. But that does yes. ring a bell. I think it was the Burning Bush style Kung Fu. Um, yeah, yeah. But, and for people seem to get a lot of fun out of it, which is great. But, you know, mm. yeah, it's... it's Horses for courses, as it were, and um, yeah, there was a there was a an era of my life where I was convinced that you could you could use GURPS for anything, and that was the intent of the system. So that must be the that must work, and all you need to do was find the right parts to assemble. And also, I got over wanting to use Linux as an operating system and various other things, and some subsequently after that, very similar ethos. I feel. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, it it, it, it kind of takes over one way or the other. Those sorts of um, modular, you have fine-grained control of everything, but you better have absolute control over everything. It becomes a task in and of itself. I'm sure this is going to get lots of uh, outraged people calling us about that. That's okay, that's how we get our checks from Big Polyhedral. Indeed, indeed. So yeah, no, it's it's absolutely something that, and it, if we've got an ethos, or at least I'd like to exp, you know, expo expound on this podcast is like try different things for different sorts of games and see how it goes, which we should try living up to. So yeah, more of that. Big red couch. We are colossal hypocrites, but we're trying to be better at it. I'll put that one through the focus groups. We're not even that good at being hypocrites, to be honest. So, yeah. <laughs> Transitioning seamlessly from Burning Bush Kung Fu to, to Christmas episodes, 
I'm not sure how one does that transition, but let's just pretend it happened and move on. <laughs> Look, it's, 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 both of them are apocryphal in one way or another. So nice. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Technically, there's a biblical reference. There's a line that you cross between apocryphal fanfic and merchandising for the Coca-Cola company, which I think we have skidded off of the icy road of, of coherence into the, the, the churning dark ice rhymed waters of the river of um, incomprehensibility yep that's the one we're going with <laughs> oh that was that's a pretty i love that phrase just the river <laughs> of incomprehensibility so this is indeed the big red christmas episode so we have big red christmas ideas i mean i i did um well, awesome. I, I have a big red christmas <laughs> idea i have another idea that of course you do <laughs> hey, it's on brand. It's a, it, it's my shtick. That's it. Yes, it's my shtick. It's a thing. I can't really justify okay. that, can I? No, it was just... It, it was an observation caused by watching The Muppets Christmas Carol, which many people have told me is the best film version of A Christmas Carol. And... It is definitely a common internet opinion. Indeed. And yeah, I'm not certain they're wrong. I I noted that sort of the one of the overriding images of the, the whole Christmas Carol story is Ebenezer Scrooge alone in a dimly lit room, sort of surrounded by darkness. That kind of image. Which then, me being me, it kind of jumped sideways to that's the sort of thing I've seen before. Um sort of cropping up in yeah, the idea of a, a person just sort of completely alone, surrounded by by darkness. You could argue that you've got sort of the the movie Passengers. Chris Pratt's character spends a certain amount of time just in this completely alone environment. Uh, there's the much less well known movie Cargo. Again, this is this is Craig's space travel obsession thing. Just bear with me here. <laughs> if it helps, pretend that the spaceship has like a little red nose and foam rubber antlers. Whatever works for you. There's the the movie Cargo, which yeah, has the idea of only one member of the crew is awake while the ship is in transit and they sort of swap out shifts. And yeah, there's probably a few others out there. And it just it just sort of occurred to me that that's a very similar notion. And I was desperately trying to come up with a way of having, having some sort of match up between them, that somebody who is, is 100% sort of alone at their post on Christmas, or on some occasion, being visited by ghosts or apparitions or something. The trouble is, for the life of me, I couldn't figure out how to make a game out of it. Which is why I'm mentioning it now, in the hope that somebody in the audience has a brilliant idea, because I got stumped. And so I came up with something different that is far more in the eggnog and cookies line. Right, but you've made the mistake of, of starting with that one, so... If you mistake were basically or brilliant tactic, it's a mistake. Trust me. Um, yeah. Yeah, right. So, if you ha- are playing effectively a Dickensian story of a a lonely, isolated figure, isolated by some sort of um, character flaw of their own, and then being visited by apparitions, what sort of scenario, other than being like a Victorian miser bar humbug, what sort of thing would it be? What so if you're in a, if you were 
to go with Craig's fated space travel obsession, what would it be? Would it be like the, the captain on, uh, you know, like the sole charge person on a long haul trip? Possibly being, but if, if you want to do your, your, your standard kind of um, science fiction trope, you could have some sort of, this is, this is a complete insult to actual physics, but <laughs> have delayed sort of conversations with your destination or your, your departure point, but they, are, they have to happen within a certain space of time to, to you know, allow for superluminal latency or something you still get to have a conversation but it has to be sort of like at, at an allotted time so you could have that sort of thing or possibly you end up having a conversation with a um an avatar or a uh, an agent which, which is a aspect of somebody ergo a ghost or you're running into mm-hmm. some sort of other sort of some sort of other representation maybe even of the the um the character themselves, or maybe something along the route. I wouldn't go with like space, like alien ghosts, because that's a bit too esoteric. But maybe something that they could they could pick up on, and so you're getting you know, you're literally you're getting these visitations along the uh, the the night, which could be you know substantial. It'd be a very long night. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and. If you are you're going if you're going with the full Dickens, which is hopefully not like the full Monty, um, oh, the oh. the reason why they're isolated, the reason why they're on this this ice this 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 journey, has to do with the um, the visitations. But yeah, that's kind of a that sounds almost like an acting improv exercise kind of thing. The idea that you know this person is is waiting for the night to pass, but has to deal with these interruptions from ambiguously motivated, somewhat uh, judgmental phantoms. I did wonder whether it could be either a good fit for, or more accurately shoehorned into some of the play-to-find-out sort of systems, because... I mean, the, the structure of A Christmas Carol. Yeah, you've got the past, mm. the present, and the future. So you could you could potentially do a game where you sort of got the first, the first visitation or set of visitations is basically playing to find out, okay, how do they end up in this situation? Next one is what's currently going on. And the third one is what's going to happen if they don't do something about it. But again, it's a mm. bit, it felt like. What is their choice? What is what is the option? What is the the choice they have to make? And are they going to make it? Indeed, yeah. Sort of the fact that you're sort of having it as yeah. You know, if you're going the full Dickens and having only one one character, it does make it feel more like an acting exercise, or at the very least, something where one person has a character and everybody else is sort of playing the ghosts, and that took it. A bit further from being a, a RPG than I was necessarily able to understand. There are many two-player games, which is a possibility. I got a suspicion I would dig out my copy of Murderous Ghosts, which is uh, effectively a horror single-player, single GM. Okay. Experience, so they might end sort of try and 
and investigate how they embrace those sorts of things. But there's plenty of other two-player games. Um, hmm, interesting. Mm. I mean, to be fair, it wouldn't actually have to be a spaceship. That was just what came to mind, I think, based on the movie Cargo. I was but, um, pitching to, the, to the, 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 the audience I had, so yeah. I mean, it could be somebody on like a, a, a long night horse, horse ride or stuck out Ooh. in the snow or, or all sorts of, you know, or somebody on some sort of epic, mystical or drug-fueled trip. But the, it's the idea that they're isolated and dealing with um, not quite consequences, but um, the avatars of sort of choices they have to make or have made. That's a lovely phrase. Yeah, okay, interesting. So, mm. that kind of dovetails slightly with my the, 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 the small fragment of a system that I, I was thinking about, actually. So that's, that's pretty convenient. Almost as though we planned this all along, listener. Yes, yes, that, that's definitely how this place works. Um, so I was trying to, you know, not shake out the cobwebs and trying to figure out something. But what I came up with is effectively uh, a type of session to run with an existing game that functions a bit like a clip show episode or one of those holiday episodes you get from various things and you run it at the end of some sort of some sort of cycle series of events or maybe a campaign if it's the kind of game you string campaigns together but you have the characters come back to some place that is safe there's no it feels like a a sanctuary to them that they feel they feel good about you know they feel that they you know they whatever they've done whatever they've accomplished whatever they've been through they they've made it at this point and there is something a little bit maybe a little bit mystical or detached about the mood it might be the you know the druids grove somewhere or it could be a smoky bar where you know that they they know that they're um that you know they've known people forever, and this is this is their turf, or something like that, and have basically the, each of the characters gets another a gift, and maybe it's it's something that they know that they would find useful, or it's a, it's a, it's they're exchanging presents in a sort of thoughtful sort of way, or it's something that they thought they'd lost or a replacement for a piece, you know, a, a, a treasured piece of gear on the, on, on the, um, on the adventures they've been having. So, you know, oh, that thing, you know, we thought we'd lost this, but no, it turned up. I managed to get it back from the, from somewhere. And, you know, this is the amulet that we thought had gone, gone astray. Nothing that kind of undoes a sacrifice or does sort of like revert something in the game but something is like it's some, something that like you could plausibly have done if you invested a little time into it and the idea i mean you could make it a secret santa i guess but within your party or maybe there's this like obviously some person will want to get this person a gift and you know it would play out in a certain way and then you just talk about why the gift was chosen and what the person's reaction is to it and maybe set up some stuff going forward and maybe talk about the events that that triggered that idea and just build in, it might be a little like a base touching idea, like the questions that you have in lots of games of the modern era about why characters have um, are adventuring together and what uh, connections they already have. You just do like a little bit of a, a little bit of a recap, a little bit of a chill kind of moment in the middle. There might be a jolly old elf or a you know a muttering bartender or something like that as a 
as a, as an intermediary or some or figure just to kind of keep things together. But yeah, that sort of idea is a intermediate little coda to a series of, of events, and then just let that go as a uh, as a bit of a a bit of a a bit of a chill session, almost as a, a sort of a palate cleanser between sort of ad, between sort of series of adventures or campaigns. Hmm. Yeah. A little bit of reaffirming the bonds, the party, maybe, maybe even like um, if your your game has casualties, memorialising some of the fallen. Hmm, that's quite a nice idea. It puts me weirdly in mind of, well, unfortunately, like the the f- the first half of the last episode of I think season four, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where they they sort of did the thing where they kill off the monster of the of the year as it were in the episode before the last episode and then the last episode is nominally a bunch of the characters sitting around eating junk food and watching television it doesn't hmm. end up that way because buffy the vampire slayer but um you know if you turn the tv off at the right point that's what you've got yep i mean if it naturally tends towards hey we could do that thing, and you know, you go off and you you have a, a standard kind of outing. But mm. it might be nice to to stop and take stock and reform some of the, or reconsider some of the bonds between the party. And just chill a bit. It's not always mm. saving the world or you know, blowing up Cthulhu for fat XP. Yeah, it's very specific. <clears throat> That's quite nice. I. I can think of a few games I've run where I kind of wish I'd done that, just to, because from like from a from a player point of view, it's it's got the whole almost reconnecting with with the world slash setting outside of things attempting to eat your face. Mm. Spot the guy who ran a bunch of horror games, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a GM's point of view. Um, at least in my case, it would it would act as a bit of a break on me and sort of stopping my tendency to just keep piling shit onto the game, which I have eh, merrily overcomplicated various games that I have run over the years by not sort of not taking a bit of time to take stock and actually thinking about okay where are we going here um, and just putting extra stuff on. So that. Seems like it could serve multiple purposes, shall we say. Hmm. And certainly, if you don't get it, I mean, back in the, the you know, when I was like gaming at university and so forth, often you'd have a chance to like, oh, talk about that was really cool, and you'd discuss about what was really cool about the game. If you only ever catch up for the game, and especially works in like virtual settings, it might be good to go, all right, what people actually enjoying? What was the, what was, what's the, rather than ask people, did you enjoy that? Was that a good game? And they're going, I better not say anything, even remotely controversially, might stop DMing. Um, you can actually get their feedback. It's like, oh, that was really cool when we, you know, we, we fought that vampire on the roof of the church and you lost your hat. That blew away in the wind. I, I, I went into the, into the bushes and found it, or I went out and I found one just like it. And you're cool. My cool hat. Yeah. And that was a really, that was a really, desperate and exciting fight against the vampire on the roof 
You go, okay, roof vampires, tech, okay, that sort of stuff. Mm. So it's a way of, um, if somebody is going to come up with something, they're not going to go, oh, yeah, if you, you drop this lighter. No event happened around it, you just dropped this lighter. It's like, it's, well, they could, it's just very unlikely. <laughs> I mean, at the very least, it indicates the player who maybe isn't as engaged in your game as you thought they were. <laughs> maybe. Um. Yeah, they're, they're struggling with recovering from a nicotine addiction, possibly. <laughs> well, they just have a terrible memory. I mean, possibly. Hopefully, something sinks in. Though you really have to hope that you know, there's a, a few neurons are activated by your role playing experience. I recently had to write myself a cheat sheet of characters and what groups they belonged to for a novel I was reading because I was spending more time flicking back to the list of characters than I was in reading the chapters. I am really bad with names. So, just... That, that, yeah, yeah that, that, that's names specifically. But, you know, you, you, would, yeah. you go, oh, Thingy did the exciting thing with what's-his-name? The guy. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, that had been... The, the, the book in question was um, uh, Gideon the Ninth. Space Necromancers. I'm just okay. leaving that one there. Um, and, yeah, like... It was working for a while, and then it suddenly turned out to be really relevant which particular group characters belonged to. And I was like, oh, crap, okay, I need a cheat sheet here. This is just is not working. <laughs> which gave me sort of the, the delightful experience of reading a, a book on an e-reader and then consulting a piece of pet handwritten paper. Did you make a legend so you could keep track of where everyone was? Yes, Maybe. I 100% did. <laughs> um, oh, fuck me. Right. <laughs> Oh, okay, cool. yes. I, I quite like that idea and will be attempting to steal it at some point. Oh, hell, did I say that bit out loud? Um, um, in, in some games, especially like the, the, the pseudo-organised play DQ stuff, sometimes you had sessions where people just went, all right, we're travelling, and it was just banter. And sometimes it would go on for entire sessions. And sometimes that would drive particular individuals out of their goods. But most people had a lot of fun just talking in character and discussing what was going on. Player or GM or both? They're, they're, they're being driven out of their goods. Normally players, because GMs could sit back and go, <laughs> I don't have to do anything, and next session <laughs> I kill them all. <laughs> yeah, well, I can phone this one in, puts their feet up, give them a drink. Um, yep. <laughs> actually, yes, if you had... A bunch of people who were right into the let's do a banter session, and the one person who only needs five more experience points to get their, their, their next level. I know DQ probably doesn't do that, but just run with me here. Then, yeah, I can see that doing the no, why aren't we? No, no, there is no talking in role playing. To be fair, in some cases it could have been the character, but sometimes it was hard to tell. <laughs> oh. They sort of merge over time to one <laughs> amorphous entity. Or is that just the snack food? It's hard to tell. That is pretty cool. I, I can't do a fun kind of transition from that to, to my actual idea, unfortunately. like I've been trying to come up with one that's just not going to work. Okay, so this is clearly going to be a real sort of grizzly downer compared to my, my cute and fluffy idea. All right, I'll brace myself. I'm... I'm hoping it's not a horrible Drizzly Downer. I mean, it's it's more or less a beer and pretzels game, except being Christmas theme, it's like 
eggnog and cookies, mulled wine and mince pies, maybe? Hmm. All right, continue. Um, you have my attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have I have previously pitched a few few games for sort of the kids on bikes genre. This is more likely to be the bar flies in horrifying scabrous old beaters of cars genre, but the same basic idea is is, is there that it is Christmas Eve because. Well, mostly because I've never ever had the experience of having snow falling on Christmas Day. It is snowing, because I say so. And you've got a bunch of people who are in a bar. Probably the sort of the, the, the comfy, slightly run down, not quite a dive, but it could be if they put a bit less work into it bar. On Christmas Eve, snow is falling. There's probably a bit of a storm happening out there. And then a very strange event occurs, where simultaneously... There's absolutely nothing happening. And yet at the same time, there's this terrified screaming as a figure, basically your, your, your classic sort of Santa's elf, comes crashing in through the window. The window simultaneously shatters and doesn't shatter. There's sparkly stuff everywhere, collides with the bar with a sort of a, a sickening thud. And this is very much your introduction to the fact that, hey, guess what? This is your, your standard the Santa Claus type of scenario. It's your job to fix Christmas. This is, this is what we're going for here. This is the equivalent of Q arriving naked on the bridge and yelling, red alert. <laughs> Did that actually happen? I... It, it should be fair. It could have been fake, but I think so. Yeah. It is It is very much that sort of thing. You know, the, the setup is sort of weird event occurs. Person, I suspect like actual adult-sized person, but could be could be smaller. It doesn't really matter crashes into not particularly well-populated bar on Christmas Eve. Magical elf dust gets gets thrown everywhere and basically lumbers everybody in the bar with an enormous problem. The, the elf in question, who has presumably been blown off course by the, uh, by the, the storm, has, has broken their leg, but there's a Christmas miracle that needs to happen. And it's a real doozy. And you, the players, the barflies, well, you're stuck with it now. Much in the same um, same way as you put on the suit, you become Santa Claus. This is the, you got hit by the magical pixie dust. Congratulations, you get to be an elf for the night. Enjoy. To be fair, the characters will be created with difficulties embracing that particular spirit, but they would be the, the, ones, the ones who would try. Indeed. Yes, the problem, uh, the problem that you have to, to 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 solve because I was I was very much thinking about the the style of Christmas episode that you tended to get on TV shows in I think the eighties and nineties. It, it it I remember quite a few of these where ostensibly it would be a standard issue sort of episode of of the show occurring at Christmas, but you'd always have this slight wait a minute miraculous thing happening in the background and mm -hmm. sort of got me thinking about the hmm? I, I'm familiar with the trope I did it in um, Blades in the Dark with the cult of the red hunters um, but yes there was there was distant <laughs> ho ho hoing at the end of the, uh, the session nice nice um, so yes this is 
this is basically the the arranging of you know the arranging of Christmas miracles department that in previous centuries a bunch of food or a small bag of coins would would do the job of a Christmas miracle. Nowadays, Christmas miracles have to be a little bit more complicated, and in this case, I am blatantly, blatantly stealing the plot of the movie Home Alone because it is your job as barflies on public transport, presumably, to try to arrange, effectively, the ending of Home Alone. That the Christmas miracle initially was supposed to be, well, okay, let's get the um, let's get the family back. Let's let's keep this kid safe. The trouble is, the advance team kind of bet the farm on getting the parents back, and that didn't work. And they put a little bit of effort into scaring the um, the burglars away. Um, and that did work, but also had the side effect of convincing this kid who is home in his house that his ridiculous plans for protecting the house are actually going to work. Which means they now have they've basically created a much bigger problem because they need to create a, a, a widespread Christmas miracle because they need the circumstance of the parents not coming back to their house to find it empty, robbed of all their stuff, with a dead child, because the burglars have just killed the little kid. They also need to not have the kid with his elaborate traps that are entirely based on kid understanding of cartoon logic from outright killing the burglars. Because one, not very Christmassy. Two, that is just setting them up for years of child protection service and therapy. They don't particularly want to come back to find a traumatized kid and the cooling bodies of Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci. Or whatever their character. Marv and Hank, maybe? Um, um, um. You're inviting the players to be the wet bandits. Uh, no. You're inviting the, pl- the, the, the player. Hmm? Oh, I don't know. They could be the stand-in wet bandits. <laughs> I'm, well, there's also the not have the burglars escape, even if they don't rob the house. If the burglars escape completely eventually it's going to come out that this kid was in the neighborhood the entire time and didn't call the police so they've got their work cut out for them it's basically manipulating things behind the scenes so that the kid's defense of the house works that the falling iron and red hot i I think there was a red hot doorknob at one point and like there's lots of traps that should realistically have killed those guys several times over those need to oh. not kill them. The kid needs to live through the night. The burglars need to get caught. There's a lot of things they have to arrange, and they've got one night to do it. So, and what do they? What are they armed with to accomplish these things? That's the bit I frankly could use some help with. I suspect there needs to be a certain amount of magical elfy pixie dust, and. I think possibly a degree of being able to stop time or or move around. I'm quite liking the metaphor of like a snow globe or something, that while the snow is falling in the snow globe, time for everybody else has stopped. But um, I think the thing you you run the risk of is that you will have the GM playing the Macaulay Culkin character and the bandits having who are interacting while the players are trying to intercede. It seems... Hmm. 
Oh god, it could turn into one of those awful video game escort quests, couldn't it? To a degree, yeah, because you, if you don't know what either side is doing, you can only just kind of either, you know, be very reactive or overprepared. That's why I was suggesting if, like, okay, the kid's convinced that these going the, the place is going to be burgled or for some reason, um, maybe they've waylaid the burglars, but the kid needs to think that their, their plan is working, so they stay put and they don't call the police, and therefore everything kind of goes off without a hitch. All right, armed with our, our, our powers of invulnerability for the next uh, until dawn, um, we have to play the part of the, um, of the, the hapless ne'er-do-wells, which is why they managed to apparently suffer all these horrific injuries. Or what should be horrific injuries, but bounce back like cartoon characters. That's way better. So, get to a bit of comic sort of timing. Maybe not directly... I like like the setup. Maybe not directly map it onto the Home Alone thing, but have a different sort... a a similar sort of jeopardy. Oh yeah, I wouldn't... I I was using Home Alone on the grounds that pretty much everybody in the universe has seen it by this point. I haven't. Um... Really? I know of it from cultural osmosis. It's not a bad film. It, the kids' family are awful, but um, yeah, that's just a thing. I did see somebody tweet: "It is the it is the solemn responsibility of one person on a flight to Paris from America to scream Kevin at the top of their lungs as they are taking off <laughs> <laughs> during December." <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Apart from that, I I don't have too much context. I have seen various bits of film analysis pointing out that it there is a lot of setup done in the movie to allow it to happen. And yeah, there's, there's mm. a lot of contrived stuff, but there's also a, actually, a lot of this makes sense. You can see the various, the various small accidents that occur to allow the whole thing to, um, to unfold the way it did. And somebody thought this ridiculous scenario out to this point. So mm. you've got to give them that. Yeah. So I, I would not use the actual Home Alone, but it was that basic, that basic <laughs> idea of there is a Christmas miracle that needs to occur. These things need to be organised, and for whatever reason, you are stuck with organising it. And it might be as ridiculous as that. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, going for the full cartoon slapstick comedy. Of something like Home Alone. It could be pretty funny. Especially for uh, a one-off rogue kind of event. Yeah. Okay. Mm. I, I don't want to try to figure out how to do a, a, a campaign of that. Though, I mean, it no, would be no, hilarious. That would be to, ridiculous. Yeah. It'd be hilarious to have the same elf turn up next year with a... Instead of, hey, you guys did so well, I've got another job for you. And just have people throwing bar mats at him. Um, yeah. Or possibly empty glasses at it. Um <laughs> Similar to the other trope of, like, 90s um, TV movies. You don't want it's like, oh, no, we need a Christmas miracle. This child needs a transplant. Go out and organise a car accident. <laughs> oh, yeah, but you're accusing me of bringing the mood down. Wow! <laughs> I mean, it's right up there with, just because it's not nice doesn't mean it's not a miracle. Um, <laughs> True, yeah. I, I, I did consider with this one having them set the entire thing up so that you know part of their job is to make sure that the kid gets left behind because 
they all, you know, the whole family needs to learn. Yeah, you know, sort of everybody in the neighborhood needs to learn something from the experience. Right. I mean, possibly one of the things that many people in that neighborhood uh, needed to learn was get a decent burglar alarm. <laughs> the McAllisters don't look after their kids very well. So. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the McAllisters really need to pay more attention to their kid. The kid maybe needs to be a little bit less precious about things. Um, the old guy down the street should probably talk to his family. Uh, there's a rich tapestry. Uh, yes, so that, that was my idea, my, my uh, eggnog and cookies. Um, I, I can't decide between eggnog and cookies or mulled wine and minced pies. Like, the mulled wine one seems more um, appropriate. Hmm. But uh, that's just me. Coming up with the checklist of lessons to be learned, maybe the jeopardy is that, right, you've got these, these wacky powers. You don't quite know how they work, but the more schmaltzy and kind of ridiculously Christmassy something is, the more likely it is to happen. So if you set something up to be ridiculously, like, cringe-inducingly Christmassy, the more likely it is to work. If you're doing stuff that's subtle, it's less likely to work. You could still try and set it up and get things arranged, but if if you bring down the, 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 the candy-striped hammer... It is, you, you, you've got the best chance, it, it, the success is almost guaranteed. It's just kind of disgusting. Interesting. So sort of arranging things so that the, the bad guys blunder into a, a police, police officer. Yeah, that'll probably work. Arranging things so that the bad guys blunder into a bunch of off-duty police officers dressed as Santa and his elves doing some sort singing of charity carols. thing yeah so, oh yeah brilliant singing singing carol yeah singing carols that one's almost guaranteed to work yes so they can either they can either use their well yes the 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 elf dust powers can either be subtle and nuanced or absolutely megaton range effective just with all of the tinsel <sighs> I am liking this. Yeah, I am liking this more and more. Like, okay, we're out of time. Fine. Stupid animatronic Frosty the Snowman falls off roof, lands on him. He gets stuck inside the outfit. I hate myself. Indeed, indeed. It's the it's the it's you're sacrificing dignity for effectiveness in this particular case, or the dignity of your um, your jaded PCs. Yeah. I think so. That's a that's a good little jeopardy situation, I think. And it does allow you. I'm just realizing to to set it up with the thoroughly obnoxious parting thought of: Was your involvement in this an accident, or was that the biggest Christmas miracle of them all? Ho ho ho! Jingle jingle jingle, etc. <laughs> Indeed. So yes, that was my terrible schmaltzy Christmas, uh, big big red Christmas idea, made I think substantially better by um, Ben's. Subtle and nuance versus transplant story. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm going to pretend that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> wow. Um, oh, I'm desperately trying to fi- find a way of re- sort of recontextualizing that, and the best I can think of is altering somebody's driver's license that they come up as a donor, and even that's not cool, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, yes. Um, yeah, well, in hindsight, it's probably a good idea that this thing didn't drop on Christmas Day. Um, just, just 
Indeed. All right. So sidling in a sort of awkward and embarrassed way away from uh, my idea and um, onto a submission from from faithful and committed listener John, who has sent us a pitch for the, the Big Red Christmas. Um, take it away, Ben. John writes, All is well this week before Christmas on the Malaran Islands in Sweden. The loop is still there with its hum and strangeness, but it's getting to be Christmas, so people are getting ready to celebrate. But odd things are happening. Mrs. Lindahl, 80 years old, found her sidewalk shoveled, fireworks stacked nice and neat, and all the rats infested her shed were dead, skinned, and laid out like a rodent autopsy. Nils down the street claims that someone took his book report and edited it while he slept. It wasn't his mother or father, as the handwriting was completely different. The players themselves are experienced as well. The rooms have been tidied up, their clothes put away, and beds made while they were in school. Something is up. Old man Lindskog complains it's the act of Tontes, or Nisse, or if, if you use the Norwegian name for the house gnomes of yore. But can't be right. Tonte are just myths and legends, right? Thus the mystery for Tales from the Loop and the Scooby Gang. What's really going on? Something new leaking out of the weirdness of the loop? Someone or something playing pranks on the people of Valaran? As long as everyone accepts that there are Tomtes helping around the house property, everything should be okay. But of course it doesn't. Someone pisses off whatever the Tomtes are, and now you have the worst pranks and mischief going on. And worse, Farmer Hilkes chickens were slaughtered last night, and nary a sound was heard from the hen house. So, what do you think, sirs? Nice. I like the way, because it's Tales from the Loop, you can go in a lot of different directions on that one. I mean, you can go all the way from, yes, this is actually Tomter's, um, you know, right the way through to it's a something that's leaked through. You have a lot of options here. It reminded me of a something I'd only just come across this year, the... Um, Yes, the, the 13 Yule Lads, Iceland's own mischievous little uh, helpers. They're very specific, though, because they have names like Sheepcoat Clod, who tries to um, suckle from ewes in the, in the sheep shed. Gully Gorg, steals the foam from buckets of cow milk. Stubby, he's short and steals food from frying pans. Spoon Licker, he licks spoons. <laughs> and they all have their, their, their various things. And the uh, one of the final ones is, of course, the uh, the, the 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 parents. I think there's a, there's a fair um, range of them. But yes, the Yule lads are sounds like a um, less helpful analog of that. They seem to be uh, getting, and there may just be people, you know, like having a go at the um, the festive foods as they're being prepared, but. Hard to say. It, it's a nice way of explaining why there are slightly fewer pigs in blankets available than uh, when they were initially laid out on the uh, on the platter. Because it's not that anybody sampled them while they were in the kitchen. No, it must have been the Yule Lads. It was the sausage thief. Yes. Indeed. A very, very specific um, skill set. Sausage thieving. Mm. And this... Actually, the, the escalation uh, and that sort of that last... That last um, paragraph of John's puts me in mind of the movie Rare Exports. Hmm. 
without giving too many spoilers, uh, it is a Finnish movie. An archaeological expedition looking for Santa Claus finds the other guy. Uh. Uh, would be the, the best non-spoilery um, uh, explanation I can give. In looking at this, I was initially... I was initially thinking whether it's a, um, a a scenario that I think might have come up in the TV show Eureka, and it's the idea of you know, sort of some experiment at at the Loop facility has sort of effectively shifted somebody a little bit out of reality, and they're trying to send a signal. They're trying to to signal for help, or they're yeah they they're, they're trying to make their presence known. In this case, through the medium of Hey, look, elves, for whatever reason. Hmm. Um, but I'm not quite sure how that fits into the, the slaughtering the chickens. At least they're also getting very hungry, maybe? Mm, maybe it's uh, more of a reactive thing and everyone's goes, somebody somebody explains the, um, the, the, the folklore to some sort of children who believe real hard and, and whatever is hovering around in the air goes, right, I have, I have intent and purpose now and starts doing stuff. But of course, it's, it's it's bound by the same rules because that's what people think is going to happen. So hmm. that could be a ah, that's that, quite that could be a thing. Because hmm. in, in in a hazy memory from from childhood, sort of once once you have offended the various sort of helpful spirits. Sometimes it's once you've attracted the attention of, but sometimes it's once you've offended the household, the the helpful spirits. It usually takes a fair amount of work to placate them. Hmm. Um, yep. So the Scooby gang are definitely going to have their their work cut out for them because, well, presumably you'd almost have to go with the what do you call it the the, the 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 trope the classic thing of nobody really believes them even though these weird events are occurring everybody is working on the assumption that well there must be some reasonable explanation not some extra-dimensional entity taking the form of household elves. Mm, or they, they, they just outright accuse them of playing the pranks or, or getting Ooh. getting up to mischief. So they've got to kind of deal with that as well. Yeah, and maybe there's also like a... You, you need to do some like canvassing or research to find out, okay, so I've got to make an offering of milk, but it can't be cow's milk. It's got to be ewes' milk or something like that. And so they have to specifically pin down the, the proper ritual to placate them and at that point disarm whatever's going on be it fey or you know some sort of weird electromagnetic disturbance that thinks it's fey nice all while under increasing clouds of suspicion that what are those kids up to because you've kind of got a feedback cycle there if people are always Mm. already assuming that it's a, a prank by the kids and then the kids are seen researching and doing stuff that kind of matches up with the prank, that's mm. going to further reinforce things. That's evil and devious. I love it. Yes. That or they, they get themselves, they, they conspire to get themselves caught pulling a, pulling a prank or doing the, 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 the chores, thereby putting all of the blame onto them and dissipating or um, driving off the uh, offending um, paracausal entities. Ooh. Might be more reliable to actually follow the rules because the rules were laid down at some point where that was actually the, the, before. So they are tested in their own way. 
Just boss move mm. and get up all. If you were running this one, would you, as as the GM, make the decision on what the truth of what is going on is? Or would you kind um, of feed off the players? Because I, I could go either way on it. I, I'm not I'm not sure what it would be a better be influenced, approach. It would be influenced by the context of the game. If it was literally everything else had been, you know, you pull off the mask and it's it's a, a, an evil real estate magnate or, um, you know, a time traveller or somebody from an alternate reality or something. It's all been all very scientifically explainable. It might be a nice change to have something that is mysterious or it might be more fitting to have that. But yeah... It would be what would make the players feel was it was a good outcome, and how had things shaped up to that point? Mm. I knew someone who effectively had a phobia of like fairies and like fey imagery, or at least claimed to, because that their their statement was you know if, if they actually saw something like that, they would understand that either the world did not work in the way that they they understood to or they'd gone insane which is kind of i don't know it's a little bit presumptuous that you know the world exactly how the world works in the first place but also eh, it would be a little alarming Hmm. so yeah if it was if it was going to shatter people's expectations of the game that suddenly there were tinkerbell was running a you know some sort of extortion racket underneath their noses maybe not go over that one yeah, yes. It's this. It, it kind of feeds into the question of how much can you get away with, you know, if this was as part of a, and a, a tales from the loop game. It's sort of how much suspension of disbelief can you get away with for a Christmas episode? Hmm. Yeah. Um, are you are you allowed to just throw all the rules out for this one episode and just have fun with it, or? Oh, you definitely would not want to go with, and then they woke up. That, duh. Sorry, I feel dirty for even having thought of that. At some point in history, that was a good twist. It's changed, though. So, yeah. 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 We're not allowed to do that anymore. There were rules. So, context context is important. Mm. I, I do like that. I do like... Um, I like the notion that as... As things are escalating, because um, because somebody pisses off the the, the, the tomtes, and yeah, I like the notion that you've got the um, the Scooby Gang desperately trying to solve the problem from a folk folklore point of view, or folklore mediated by fringe super science point of view, and you've got the the nominal authority figures trying to solve it from a we are going to find the person who's doing this, these pranks and vandalism, and I bet it's those meddling kids' point of view. Mm. Um, I mean, it's a, cl- it's, it's a, 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 a classic verging on a cliche, I suspect, but um, in this circumstance, I feel like it should work reasonably well. That the sort of the, the, the interactions between the two and the fact that the, um, the, the adult investigation is probably going to end up trampling all over what the kids do at some point. Yep, that's pretty, pretty much a guarantee. It's almost putting me in mind of the end of Stranger Things, like season one Stranger Things, but I'm not 100 on why. I think it's possibly just because yeah. you've got sort of 
kids doing one thing, adults doing another thing, and neither of the groups really believes that what the other group is doing is going to work because they know better. Yes, yes, no, that, that is that is a good that is a good call. Mm. That's a fun one. I would, I personally think this one would work well as the Christmas episode of a longer running game. Like you could do it as a standalone, but it mm. it seems like you'd get more out of it if you had an established town and an established kind of some established relationships to, to play off. Yeah. 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 Very much like our, um, the potstickers of Dorian Gray kind of. Oh yeah. Yeah. Some sort of, sort of feel to that. Yes. If you're going to, you know, if somebody's going to kill farmer Hel- um, Helkvist's chickens, it helps if they know who farmer Helkvist is. Yep. Cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. Cheers, John. That was, that was good fodder. That, I guess, takes us to the end of, of our, our Christmas content. I'm assuming it takes us to the end of our Christmas content. Oh, don't worry, there'll be reruns. <laughs> Actually, reruns are thing these eight days. I think, wait a minute, yeah, since, since uh, the pandemic, everything is a rerun, so I guess that doesn't count. Every day it's a rerun. <laughs> is, it, is, is it a rerun if you can just stream it whenever the hell you want? Does it really yeah, count anymore? I don't know. Yeah. Hard to say. Anyway, we, we haven't yet got to the point where we're going to do the Big Red Couch um, Christmas Clips episode where a yeah it's just Craig and, Craig and Ben sort of having a forced chat at a Christmas party and then lots and lots of flashbacks to previous episodes, though that is alarmingly plausible. Hey, that was basically my pitch today, so... <laughs> but it was done in a gaming sense, so that makes it all right. Uh, right. He says, unconvincingly. So... That now leaves us for the um, letting people know what uh, episode 169 is going to be and announcing the exciting range of non-Christmassy options for episode 170. Indeed. Episode 169, uh, there was a flurry of voting out there, like the flurries of snow that drift across uh, Christmas episodes. And the, the winner is the prompt, I set the filter to adventure, which comes to us from Terry, and uh, as I understand it, is is much less, this is a, a, a prompt that has sort of portentousness and much more of a direct description of the process he used for generating a bunch of prompts. But in any case, episode 169, I set the filter to adventure. Uh, which brings us inevitably to the poll options for episode 170. And your options are... From John, Spambots live in vain. From Taz, Mad Science. Don't try this at home, kids. From Terry, Layer Cake. And from me mishearing a song lyric, When the Half-Life Starts to Rise. Okay. Many, many options of a clickable variety. Hmm. Vote. Vote early. Vote often. So, thank you for listening to our... Big Red Christmas episode in January. Mm-hmm. And we hope that the first couple of weeks of January have been good to you and us and everybody because, oof, that's some making up to do. Yeah. Is 20... this 2022? 2021, I suspect, didn't really work out the way anybody planned. Mm, bit of a do-over. Same with 2020. So, yes, let's hope everybody's having a, a, a good 
start of the new year and a absolutely brilliant rest of the new year. And uh, we will catch you next time with our filters set to adventure uh, on episode 169 of The Big Red Couch. Bye. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, 3.0 unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time.